Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lau Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lau Brew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. Hope you're well. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewers Journal, and we're here today in Holt's Yard in Biker, and that's the home of Full Circle Bruco. And it's a pleasure today to be joined by Ben Cleary, the founder of Full Circle. Correct. Uh, hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Excellent. Really good. Well, thank you for having us. No, no problem at all. Anytime. It feels like a long time coming. It has been, yeah. 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 I've seen you a lot of uh, Brewer's lectures, but never, yeah. never in person. So. To my shame, this is only the second time in my life I've been in Newcastle. Oh, shocking. Well, you've got, you've got to go to a place in town tonight, if you get the chance, a place yeah. called Cozy Joe's. It's, Cozy Joe's. It's wonderful. You can and, tell. And horrible all at the same time. That's it's great. fine by me. You can tell it's a good part of the world when everyone has at least half a dozen suggestions. Yeah. And there's a bit of crossover. We're getting some good names. And then everyone's got their own places as well. Yeah. No, I mean, Newcastle is known for craft beer, actually. Not outside of London, but in, in, in the northeast, Newcastle is a great place for craft beer. It's got some wonderful brews. Do you think it gets overlooked compared to some of the other big cities? Yeah, big so. I mean, a lot of people don't even know Newcastle has craft beer. We, the first festival we did in, um, down in London, they said, Newcastle, it's got, it's got beer. Yeah. Newcastle Brown, it's, it's where, it's where many well, of places, course. it all began. I you still know, love that beer. Forks, many don't. Newcastle but... Brown, there's, yeah, there's some, big, there's some big, big brands from up here. Um, from, from, from over the history. So. Do, do, do you think that, that there is then a little bit of a kickback of people going, you know what, you know, we've got a great brewing heritage here. You know, L- London, Leeds, Bristol, Manchester yeah. rightfully get a lot of credit. Yeah. A lot of great brewers, a lot of great people, um, great businesses. But as you said, you know, sometimes you guys get overlooked. We do, and, and, and unfortunately, the, I think the biggest thing is, is that there's so many great breweries locally, but many of them don't want to grow outside of the local area, so yeah. they don't get seen as much as, as, as many others. Um, like yeah. Leeds and Manchester are havens for it in the north. Yes. Um, yeah. I always don't class Manchester and Leeds as the north for some reason. Um, but yeah, yeah, they, um, they've got some wonderful beers, wonderful brews. So Ben, obviously you talk about some local breweries that are happy to exist, uh, you know, and as is their prerogative within the sort of geographical confines. Yeah. Full circle, 
from where I'm sitting. Clearly not one of those breweries. We'll touch upon that later. But yeah. um, you know, with that in mind, 2023, I don't know where, where the year's going, quite frankly, but you've got a lot of exciting projects going on here. It seems to be full steam ahead. Yeah, it does. Um, life has become much busier. We've been going for three and a half years now. Uh, we started in COVID, so first batch of beers released on Friday of lockdown one, so it was possibly the worst ever time. No, I wouldn't say in history, but it's pr pretty close. Uh, so we had to do a lot of different things to, to stay afloat. Um, but year three, now we're coming to yeah, year four, um, shackles are off. Okay. So we now don't have these huge global constraints that we had prior to that. So we've been very lucky in that actually starting at that time was very helpful for us. We, we, were, we were able to be super agile. We didn't have keg stock at all when we first started, really. Uh, and oddly enough, our first ever pub account was a year after. We, um, we actually started trading, which is crazy. Wow. But again, there was no, no pubs were open, so. We followed a very different model. Us. And um, it seems to have stayed that way. Yeah, you know? so this year's, um, yeah, this, year's, this year's very busy for us at the moment. Um, so are you, I mean, growing pains is obviously one of those phrases that's thrown around a lot. I mean, is that something you've had to navigate in terms of with your team, with capacity, with yes. everything in between? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, the last two or three months have been very tough in, in respect of growing pains. Every single time you grow in a brewery, you've got to spend a fortune on new equipment, new tanks, new canning line, which only arrived last week. Uh, so there has been some, some growing pain issues, but mm -hmm. they're exciting and they're fun. Yeah. Um, we've we've taken well, four new members of the team down in the brewery um, just to cope with production. So yeah, it's, it's, it comes with stress, but it, it's also a very exciting time. It seems like you've moved quite quickly. You know, you, you've, you've covered a lot of ground in comparatively short couple of years. I mean, for people that aren't aware of your story, I mean, tell us a bit more about your, you know, how, how you got into beer, you know, what, what triggered that love of it and, you know, inevitably what led into starting a brewery. Of course. Um, so I was in the wine trade for 10 years prior to this. Loved it. Um, I, I did all my exams. I, I really enjoyed the trade I was in, but it very fast became, I, I moved, well, we essentially, I used to work in a, a major wine retailer, Majestic Wines, mm -hmm. um, and then I came back to our family business, our independent family business, which is a wine company. Yeah. And, we, and I decided to set up a bottle shop um, and an e-commerce business. And through that time, within two years, craft beer was booming. Um, we were trying some amazing beers from local breweries. And I just fell in love with it. I, uh, I don't want to say I fell out of love with the wine trade, no. but I do not drink much wine anymore. Sure. So yeah, so beer became a thing for me. It was something that I always wanted to do. Um, and yeah, we figured we have reps on the road from a wine side. Uh, we have expertise in many areas with regards to the brewery. So we thought, let's, let's go for it. And as you can see behind, we've kind of gone way too big. Um, well, at the time, we, we had gone way too big. Um, but yeah, I think we've, um, we've managed to navigate it relatively well. Um, so, but that's why we've started so big, because we started out with course. a little hundred at the kit. Yep. Uh, Alex, our head brewer, he, um, he'd never worked properly in a commercial brewery. Mm -hmm. He went through the brew lab training. Yep. Uh, and he's a wonderful brewer. He used yep. to come into the shop. Um, two seconds. It's okay. Uh, he used to come into Busy the guy. shop every, uh, <laughs> every week and bring his beers and different beers, totally yep. different beers every time. And they were, they were outstanding. Because he was getting recognition oh, from local style. competitions. Yeah, so he was going to the brew dog competitions um, where they did homebrew competitions. And everyone was always gutted when he turned up because <laughs> he'd win first, second, and third every single time. Yeah, yeah. Every beer he brought to me, I was thinking, my God, these are actually better than most of the beers I'm pouring uh, that we're selling yeah, in the shop. Yeah. It was wonderful. So I knew he was my man. 
yeah. from day one. And that was that kind of aligned us perfectly to really start this brewery project. Sure, sure. So what breweries did you kind of look up to and enjoy, you know, um, selling and working with at the tip stop? Um, at the time, it was very Leeds based. Mm-hmm. I loved North. I loved Northern Monk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to get a lot of different beers in from the States. Um, Eagle Twin was one of them. We used to get a huge amount of German beers in. Loved a loved a premium yeah. German lager, of course. And we used to sell a, a load of them. So yeah. they were the kind of beers that I used to really enjoy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dibbers just came on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Double Heathen was wonderful. For oh yeah, Monk. yeah. Uh, yeah. Those 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 are the good old days <laughs> uh, when life was a bit easier, I think, from a brewery perspective. Um, but yeah, that really got me into the the whole the whole scene and understanding more about good beer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we knew if we were going to go big, we had to make sure that we could create good beer from of the course. get-go of course so we went from a hundred liter kit that we were working on uh three yeah three three to five days a week uh and selling through my mini bar so we had a back end of a mini mm. with taps mm. in the back amazing uh, so we used to sell sell it to the customers because ultimately it's not what we think it's what they think yeah yeah so we would we went through about six iterations of the cause and then i think we were at that point we, were, we said this is the time to invest let's 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 go forward so with those early beers from alex ones that kind of aligned with your tastes or did he kind of almost make you look at things from a different perspective? No, I think we both had similar views on this. Uh, we wanted to create four beers. They were always going to be pales. Um, we've created one that's more of a gateway beer hoop. Yep. It's American pale ale. So it's gluten-free, it's non-hazy. Um, and that was kind of, if you like, if you're not a big fan of craft beer, this mm-hmm. is a really good gateway beer to get into it. And it's yeah. actually what we nearly sell the most of right now. Fantastic. Fant- yeah. Was having a core range very important for you? Yeah, it, it, it's a difficult one. Many breweries just go seasonal. Many breweries just core and then mm. in between. So we figured we wanted to be commit. We wanted to sit at that middle point, which was the hard part. Yeah. Between yeah. commercial and craft, mm-hmm. that was kind of where we wanted to go. We went very heavily craft initially. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as of this year, we, yeah, we're trying to we're trying to build a bigger audience. A yeah. bigger brand and ultimately that commercial element will always come through no of course of course i mean you talk about a big kit here but i i call that you know future proofing you know it's, that was the plan yeah. so if you look at how much it costs for an extra ten thousand liters in in, in fe or or, or or the brew house it's, yeah. it's not a great deal so we figured invest once and hopefully well not invest once but hopefully invest for the long term sure um sure. and yeah we saw the the, the the bits of equipment coming in on that very um, sunny September day, and we thought, "What have we done? This is, <laughs> what have we put ourselves into here?" But yeah, no, it's been it's been a wonderful experience. It's very creative. It's very exciting. Who are your main suppliers on the equipment side? Uh, SSV. Okay. So we, mm-hmm. we we wanted to give ourselves the best opportunities. We saw SSV were making big waves in the market, mm-hmm. and they were wonderful. Not just the kits, the aftercare. The help we got from uh, the, the trained brewers yep. uh, really helped us because from going from 100 to 3,000 liters, it's a big scary move. And I, I did keep saying, Alex, are you sure you can do this? But he was confident. And sure. fortunate we had um, James, who now owns SureShot. Indeed, yeah, Mr. Um, Campbell. Yeah, so he helped us through the process. That was very, very, very helpful. So SSV, I wouldn't, yeah, I would highly recommend them Brilliant. to anyone. And uh, what about the new canning line you've just got? So micro can, uh, I'm not going to go into the woes of our first cannon line. Um, Something that someone told me early doors, which I thought was a bit crazy, was it's not about which one's the best, it's it's about which one's not the worst. Um, So we bought bought a line that just did not work. Uh, It was a big issue, caused us so many problems. And then we went to micro can. Micro can have been excellent. Again, aftercare is amazing. Mm -hmm. They're they're relatively close to us. 
Um, and yeah, we've just installed the new CP10, which Fantastic. is the new 10 yeah. head counter pressure, and it's working like an absolute dream. Brilliant. Thank God. No, great stuff. They're so, great yeah. com two great companies. Yes, very yeah. much so. So they're, 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 they're the companies that we're aligning ourselves with moving forward for sure. Brilliant. So you wouldn't obviously know looking at where we are today, you know, of the tumultuous nature of the last couple of years for, you know, not just for breweries, hospitality and, and everyone else outside of it. But, um, you know, for, from reading around your story and speaking before, it, it seems that the sort of pandemic almost presented you with an opportunity and almost maybe put the brewery on a different path. It did. It did. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's, there's huge negatives in that as well. Of course. Um, but yes, we were fortunate that we could be agile. Every day had a different problem, but we learned to just get on with it and not get too depressed because ultimately most of the breweries were going through the same thing. So we, we just, we, we learned to be agile. We had yeah. a small team yeah. and we yeah. were new to the industry. So we could, we could, we, we could just do what we wanted and it, and it, it seemed, to, seemed to work in the most part. And then when it comes to selling your beer, and um, I think you said before, you know, you're a brewery that was selling beer in lots of places, but locally you weren't really known. I mean, how did you go about growing that sort of presence overseas? Yeah, so we, we've followed a very, very strange business model. Not, I, I can't imagine many breweries have done the same, but it was, again, purely down to COVID. Uh, we got great untapped ratings early doors. So within the first few months, we were in the top 15 in the country, which got a lot of interest from the export market. So we, we ended up selling about 70% of our stock in year one to Europe, wow. which was wonderful for us. Yep. We just we just wanted to roll ahead. And then obviously January of the year two was when Brexit kicked in. So that ruined our lives a little bit again. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't sell there for probably six months. Um, that's flattened out and things are going really well in the export market still. But because of year two, we decided, look, we, we should really be in our own country here. Sure. So yeah. we did a big push on that, got into the right wholesalers we wanted to work with. Um, and yeah, really focused on our local area. So it's, it was a strange way of working, but yeah. it seemed to work for us. So what advice do you have for people that, you know, are looking to export or maybe ha have previously, but then have, for whatever's been going on in the world, found some, you know, uh, hurdles to that? You know, is there any advice you have for them? Yeah, I mean, I'm always happy to talk to anyone about the export market because it's something I know a lot about. I do all the export sales. It's not an easy thing to do. Every single country has a different, a different system when it comes to their, their yeah. duty. Um, but I'm happy to talk to anyone about it because ultimately more English beer in Europe and around the world, the better, better it is for us. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, it's craft beer against big beer as far as I'm concerned. Sure. So I don't see our neighbors who are two miles away as competition because no. us, the whole point is to work together. Yeah, no, I agree. And will the uh, much discussed change in duty rates impact your sort of outlook on the beers you're producing? Um, yes, I mean, it, it's gonna impact everyone from an 8.4% and up standpoint. Mm. It's crazy how much that's gone up. Yeah. Um, astronomical and yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it, it'll ruin the industry to a certain degree. It's frustrating because there's huge amounts of people who just want the bigger beers yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, and yeah, sadly it will, it will change it because if, if you want to go into those commercial markets, you've got to ensure that your, <laughs> your average ABV is lower. So we are producing the 3.4% pale, which we're going to release, uh, which you, are oh, we're yes. drinking there little predictions it's called that for too. a reason 
Um, and we, we want to release a 3.4% micro pale that was going to be a little bit thicker than a table beer, something yeah. that almost tastes like a 4.5%. And I'm hoping we've done it with that. You have, you have, yeah. Um, we were going to do two or three variations, but I was so happy with that one. We're going to we're going to roll with it. So that's going to become a new core soon. It's not just for duty reasons because it's it doesn't affect us that much. Mm. But it's where the market's going. A lot of the market yep. wants the, those three percent beers now. Yeah. Um, yep. Initially, that first year it was just seven to nine percent. That's all people wanted, which was wonderful. It's something that we do really well. Mm-hmm. And then that just completely flipped on its head. Europe still one eight percent plus. That's another thing for for export market. It makes it difficult when everyone in Europe wants seven percent plus. Yeah. Even in the UK, seven percent or less. So that's an interesting one to, to navigate. But again, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, um, when it comes to the lower EBVs, obviously, as you said, everyone's got their own preference, and there is a movement towards these. But if they're as good as this, then it's not going to so. have a few I complaints. I hope it gets well received for sure. I mean, what struck me with full circle beers a lot of the time is that, you know, as with this bit, there's no compromise on flavour when it, we move towards the slightly lower EBV beers. You know, you had the fantastic collab several months ago with Hopsteiner. Yes. And you know, the, the, the aroma, the flavor and the body was there. I mean, it, that, that's something I feel to me that it, um, is a real calling card of some of your beers or actually all of your beers. It yeah. is. It's something that's really important to us. We never, as we grow, we never want to, it, it, it can't be at the detriment of the quality of the beer. Mm. Um, and yes, we're, we're managing to reduce our prices elsewhere, not around reducing the quality or the, or the level of hops that go into the beer or, or whatever else it may be. So it's really important for us to ensure that as we grow, that flavor doesn't just slowly decrease um, the flavor and the quality because it's... These beers are uh, they're clearly not rushed either. No, so we attenuate our beers long enough. We never want to rush a beer, mm-hmm. keep them in the tank long enough that we never have hop burn um, and that they always taste a little bit lower than they are. So it's a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, Looper, which is our flagship, yeah. uh, Looper IPA 6.4, um, it's a bit of a dangerous beer if people start a session on a, a looper because <laughs> yeah. it's very drinkable, very easy going, and yeah, within three or four pints after two hours, you can you can feel a little bit little bit squiffy. So it's uh, it can be a good thing and a bad thing. Well, looper, how you see it. Uh, looper feels like one of those beers though. It's it feels like it's been around for longer than it has. I guess you know. You know what the, the, the one of the best things for us has been when we started going to beer festivals and no one knew who we were. People started coming to us. Brewers started coming to us and saying looper. Yeah. for anything else yeah. and that was wonderful it was such a nice nice thing to know that, 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 that that's what we were known for sure. our flagship I've got friends as well that aren't you know into the level of beer nerdery that I am but they'll know that beer you and, know? and weirdly enough that beer as, as, as much of a craft beer that it is it, it weirdly works well with anyone so there's yep. many people who don't drink craft beer and they just can't this really works um, it's super smooth yeah. it's super tropical it just it, it's, it's almost a beer for all which is very rare when it comes to craft beer in the, the big beer market. Well, yeah, at that ABV, yeah. you know, it's hard to make a beer for all. And um, on that point, I, I see recently Cave Direct christened you one of the uh, future four. Yes. Um, a great company as yeah. well, as in Cave Direct, a great company, and you were in great company. Yes. Um, again, with going back to the looper point, it feels strange calling you a future four, but I suppose it's great when you're being recognized as a brewery that businesses like that want to platform, want to position and push out further. Yeah, I mean, because we've only lived in COVID times, um, we've never been able to get ourselves out in the national market mm-hmm. particularly. So we are probably seen in many ways as a, a fairly new brewery. Yeah. I mean, three yeah. years old is not a new, uh, it's not an old brewery at all. So 
Yeah, it has made a big, big difference. And Cave Direct have been great for us. Um, yeah, they've been super helpful. Um, and it puts us on the map now. It allows us to get into bigger cities, bigger accounts. Yeah. Um, yep. Because ultimately, we want Full Circle to be a household name. We yeah. want everyone to know, know our name. That's, that's the key thing. Ah, great stuff. And looking to the future closer to home, um, obviously, great beers, great projects involved in, great equipment. But yeah, and I understand, you know, obviously, the sustainability side is of huge importance to you as well. It is, yeah. So uh, there's two names for Full Circle. Uh, one's a family link. My parents are in the wine industry. Their parents were in the pub industry. So we've kind of technically gone full circle. But the main reason was a promise. And it was something we couldn't do over the past three years. But we've really been pushing for this year. Um, and it's, it's a hit net zero um, mm-hmm. by 2030, which is a pretty hairy goal. Um, but ultimately, it forces you to do it. It's great. It's, it's super important to me. Um, the, 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 the parent business is very, very sustainable. And it's something we wanted to do. It's difficult to do that in a rented site in the middle of Newcastle. But there's so many things you can do. So we've partnered up with a company called Zaviro. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. I do, yeah, yeah. But they are excellent. Um, they're a decarbonization software. They allow you to monitor everything that you do from carbon usage standpoint. So you can delve down into detail on every little thing. So we can then do comparisons and then build our strategy moving forward based on what's better for the environment. So. Right. And why is it of such importance to you? It should be important to everyone. Yeah, of course. As far as yeah. I'm concerned. It's, yeah. uh, it just is. It's, it's something that everyone needs to do. It's something yeah. that's been promised by the likes of the supermarkets saying you, you, yeah. must be, you must be this way inclined to even get deals. Mm. Um, so it shows that there is a, there is a force there. Yeah. But ultimately, we want to do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, the brewing industry is not the best for, from a sustainability angle. So if we can learn more and do more, then hopefully others can, can follow on and, and learn from that as well. So ideally bringing the, the beer industry into a, a much better place from a sustainability angle. Well, as you said, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do and obviously that's the best possible reason. Well, for those who aren't interested in sustainability, the thing that surprises me, apart from cash flow, is you can purchase, for example, we got a nitrogen generator. It's reduced our CO2 usage by 90%. Yeah. It's saved us a fortune. Mm-hmm. But whilst it's also saving us a fortune, it's much better for the environment because it's pulling natural air from the environment. Yeah, so yeah. if you're not interested in sustainability, there's still benefits to it. So either way, everyone in the industry should look at certain things, yeah, whether yeah. it's for sustainability reasons or for cost-saving reasons, because the industry is littered with cost rises and issues around that. So any way you can save costs as well, it's a, it's a double-pronged tackle. So. Yeah, well, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. So what else um, do we have in the pipeline? Oh, well, we're looking at we're, well, we're looking at bars now. Okay, um, that seems to be the the obvious move. Yeah, um, but we wanted to ensure that things were getting better in the hospitality trade. It seems like they are. Um, so, city centre bars, something we're looking at. Um, we're, and as I said, we're looking to be more commercial. We're, we're looking to get our beers into more countries. We're looking to get our beers pinned in further nationally um, and really produce well, really be a household name. Um, so starting, but bars starting locally. I mean, could you would, would initially you, do do you have ambitions then for, for away from places like Newcastle? Yeah, ultimately, yeah, absolutely. Great. Yeah, we were going to start in Durham. I'm a Durham boy through mm-hmm. and through. Um, and we actually looked at setting the brewery up in Durham, but ultimately Newcastle was the craft beer zone for the northeast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we made the decision to hit Newcastle. But yeah, Durham's an area that I would love to have something. Having a bar in Durham would be would be wonderful. 
So Ben, obviously you touched upon new bars, uh, very exciting. And I think you know, with that, good things come to those who wait. But that also strikes me as you know, you've probably got some other things up your sleeve as well. We do, yeah. So we've got... Um, Which one... you can speak about in as much or as little <laughs> detail as you wish. You know? uh, one project that we've got coming, we think, anyway. It's a, it could be a great idea, it could be a terrible idea. But it's a project that I'm not going to talk about today, but uh -huh. it's in the pipeline. Oh, sure. um, and the plan and the reasoning for it is to develop a new product, which is wonderful. Yeah. But it also gives the brewers more creativity. I want them to be able to choose the best ingredients, yeah. use the most modern methods to create something that's tr truly unique. Fantastic. And that might make you think, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> but we'll, we'll just have to wait on yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and whilst we're talking about creativity, when you, when you are a commercial brewery, you can't be as creative as... As, as some of the smaller ones, it's just not viable. Yeah. Um, so we really want to start working more on our Call of Quirkus brand, which mm -hmm. is our um, barrel-aged series. Yes. Yep. We've only really released two or three a year, um, and we're talking a couple of barrels at a time. So they're, wow. they're not. They're not. We don't. We don't do it in large volumes. How are they received? They've been really well received. The second year was um, outstanding. Uh, year one was good. Mm -hmm. For our first attempt um, and the reason we we went into it is we wanted to have a little bit of a USP and just specifically do wine barrels wine barrels are certainly harder to yep. um, age beer in versus spirit barrels but we learned an interesting lesson uh, and actually the, the barrel aging side of it's wonderful because you took a bit of beer in a barrel and you haven't got a clue what it's going to turn out like until you move on further so we've learned some new techniques uh, and we're looking forward to the Amazing. three releases that we've got coming this year and, and hopefully for next year because we're using a maple syrup barrel oh beautiful um, in November so in a year's time we'll have a, a very interesting imperial American brown ale with maple syrup that sounds uh, right up my street to yeah. be fair so when can we expect this year's releases to be seeing the light of day absolutely we will yeah, yeah. so all Sharon bottles 750 mil yep um, yeah, we've got, what have we got? We've got a base sour that we're going to have a little play around with through the fruit. Okay. And um, that's in a Bordeaux barrel, Chateau Poyac. Uh, we've also got, um, we've got Yorkshire Park in Stout, Imperial Stout, which is now going to be horribly expensive based on the new duty. Yeah. Uh, which is a bit concerning. Uh, that's in rum barrels. Uh, and then we've also got our Imperial American Brown Ale. Amazing. Which we do every November for our birthday. Uh, we've got that in uh, whiskey bottles, bourbon bottles. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, hey, they sound absolutely delicious. So, Ben, for people that would like to uh, find out more, and to order your beers online, where, where's the best place to look? I can't say our own web shop. There's huge amounts of web shops that will, that will sell our beers. Um, you, can, you can get it in a lot of pubs now. You even said you got some of our beers down in London, so yep. you can get, it's, it's wonderful to see. We're getting our, our name out there a lot more. Great um, stuff. But yeah, generally, it's, it's web shops around the country, yeah. lots of bottle shops. Great. Um, and if you can't find any and there's none near you, please come to our website, fullcirclebrew.co.uk. Or even better, come to the beautiful tap room we have here. And what, what, what opening hours do we have here? Uh, Thursday through Sunday. So we're, we're in Biker, then you've got Oosburn and you've got Newcastle. So yes. we're right at the... So Oosburn's the, the wonderful zone for craft beer. So mm -hmm. There's so many amazing bars that do craft beer. So we're kind of the start of that and then people wander down through the Oosburn into town. 
well, that seems to generally be the start. So yes, yeah. works really well. Got a pizza oven on site. Yeah. And I would say arguably, because there is so many good pizza places, they are excellent. Amazing. What um, are they called? It's our own. Oh, it's, it's our okay. own. It's oh, full circle go. pizzas. There we go. Hence the name. Um, Super. That's another reason for the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the pizzas are, pizzas are great here. Kitlin does a wonderful job. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, come on down to the tap room. Yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back. Well, thank you, Ben. Well, thank for, you. So I'd like to say a big thank you again uh, to Ben Cleary, the founder of Full Circle Bruco. And thank you everyone for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you soon. See you later.